0: Turn your video off, Aaron. Hurts the audio quality. Please, for the love of God. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: everybody, and welcome to episode three of Adventures in Angular. This week on our crew, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Aaron Frost. Hello. John Papa. How's everybody doing? Lucas Rubelki totally slaughtered it, didn't I?
2: Lucas, are you muted, bro?
1: Good, he can't set me straight. Uh, we also have a special guest, and that is Matthias... No.
3: Yeah, Nemele. <laughs> <Afternoon. laughs> Say the difficult names until last, I guess. That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, John and Lucas and Matthias haven't been on the show before. Do you guys
3: want to introduce yourselves? I'll let you sort out the order. Okay, so I can go first. So, my name is Matias Niemela, and I started out with Angular on my blog, yearofwho.com. And uh, after blogging about it for a bit, that led me to work on the core team and putting together NG Animate and working on Dart and stuff like that. And overall, I really love Angular, and I've done a lot of contributing to it and a lot of presentations and just keeping the momentum going.
4: Awesome. What about John? My name's John Papa, and I've been involved in a lot of technology over the last 15, 20 years. Everything from database to middleware to front end, and most recently I've been engulfed inside the spa world, whether it's uh, Angular or Knockout or Backbone or what have you.
1: Spa meaning single-page app? Yeah, that too,
4: but I also do a lot of spas where I relax in the water. <laughs> yeah. Mud bats.
0: Matias, you're a uh, Finnish, right? on the ice.
3: Yes, I'm from Finland.
0: Matthias is very comfortable with spas, right? Hanging out in the, uh
3: <laughs> um, maybe not spas, but definitely saunas. Saunas, right? Yeah, awesome. it's a very cultural Finnish thing to to have a sauna. You, even the the condo that I live in, there's a sauna here. Awesome. Every place I, I live, there has to be a sauna.
0: And Lucas, you want to introduce yourself?
5: Yes, my name is Lucas Rubalke, and I am in Phoenix, so I practically live in a dry sauna. Which is kind of a cultural thing by geography. I was a flex developer for, flash and flex developer for almost 10 years, and then I've been doing spas or basically HTML5 JavaScript web development for the last couple of years. I've been doing Angular for about two, and it still delights me. And I learn new things, it seems, almost every day. And I'm currently wrapping up AngularJS in action, and I do uh, some videos for IO and I'm a Pluralsight author. Awesome. Thanks.
2: So one thing we should mention is
5: that um, Lucas and John are new panelists on the
2: show, so they'll be here weekly. Yay! Which
1: is awesome. Yep. And the reason that we have Matthias here is that he and Aaron, and did you say that Lucas or John also were GDEs? We'll explain. Not yet,
5: but they can be. Matthias is going to nominate me as soon as we get off this call, as soon as I figure out
4: what it is. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, ooh! I'd like to be part of any club I can be part of. Yes. (laughs) There you go.
3: I think John Papa's uh, the Microsoft version of the GDE, Isn't that right? Yeah, I'm a Microsoft, a Microsoft MVP.
4: MVP and a Microsoft RD and a couple other things, which probably don't make a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> we'll just slap on MD, up, MD, and PhD. It seems like
4: all these different communities have their own recognition programs for community awareness, and I just generally tell myself as a community guy, regardless of the technology, so that's the impression I get a GDE as well, though it may or may not be correct.
1: <laughs> so what does GDE stand for? It stands for Google
3: Developer Expert.
2: So, it's kind of Google's first stab. Well, I don't know if it's their first stab. It's their current stab at, at recognizing community members. You can become a GDE across, like, any of the Google technologies. So, Matthias and I are GDEs for Angular. But there's GDEs for Chrome. There's a lot of them for Dart. You have Google Glass GDEs. What else do you have GDEs for? I mean, everything. There's SEO GDEs, AdSense GDEs. There's just a lot of... GDEs. So, a few months ago we were at like 83, but now they went on a sprint to get a whole bunch more, and now I think it's up in... I don't know. Do you know what it's at, Matthias?
3: No, actually, I haven't looked at the page recently. I'm not sure of the total number.
5: Alright, let me look and see if I can find it. So, what I want to know, and this is pretty important, is do you get a (laughs) t-shirt?
3: I actually haven't gotten a t-shirt in the mail yet, but there is a GDE... Meetup event in November. I think I might hopefully get some clothing then.
5: Is there, well, <laughs> I hope you get some clothing by then, Matthias.
4: Yeah, I'm not <laughs> touching that one, but I just looked on <laughs> the webpage. looks like there's 114 GDEs listed on the webpage. Okay, yeah.
5: yeah,
2: 114, so we're up a little
4: bit. And to be clear, that's not all on the same product. That's across YouTube, Angular,
1: everything. So I have to ask, why would anyone care? I mean, what, what do GDEs do? Why would do anyone for- want to be a GDE? Or why do we care that Google has them? I mean, what are GDEs supposed to do that affect me as an Angular developer?
3: So one of the major factors is that they might not work for Google, but they can have an influence on the way the technology is shaped. So if you're a big fan of Maps, for example, and you want to become a GDE on Maps, then your input will be put into consideration with the next reversions of the Maps and like new features that come in, potentially. It's not guaranteed, but you you have a bigger say in the technology than somebody else who is not involved in the GDE community. Interesting.
4: So the big question everyone's going to have after listening to this podcast is how can the 1 million people listening to this podcast all become GDEs?
0: Right. You're a GDE,
2: and you're a GDE. The Kind of the way the process works is either a current GDE or a Google employee needs to nominate you as a community member for the GDE process. And then you go through two rounds of interviews, and if they think that you kind of harbored those things that they look for to kind of like make a an example out of, then you, you get the official title. I don't know if I answered your question though, but that's kind of the that's the process that you go through to become a Gini, is you wow. get nominated by someone the works there. Yeah, you
4: know, okay. and, and being in the Microsoft program for which is a similar type of developer community program, and actually I was on the other side when I worked for Microsoft where we actually helped run the program that they do. One of the things I think a lot of the members of these programs in general really benefit from is uh, I see like there's an annual GDE summit and Microsoft has their own like what they call an MVP summit and one of the nice things about that is it's a chance for these people to kind of get some inside information and network and gather together and really talk to each other because otherwise a lot of us' don't talk over Skype or Twitter.
2: I think that's been one of the one of the cooler benefits for me is as a GDE I mean the interview process is pretty cool. One of the interviewers is a is a GDE, and the other interviewer is a Google employee on the team that you're trying to be a GDE for. So, I actually my interview was with Brad Green, and he's cool. That was fun to get a chat with him. But also, they have they have like GDE briefings. We have to sign NDAs before we can go to the GDE briefings, and they they kind of talk to us about things that are in the works and get our feedback. Kind of like what Matthias was saying, they kind of prod you for feedback, and so you do get influence it influence technologies, even if it's not like Angular, we've been in on like some Cloud ones and some Chrome ones where we've given feedback and our ones where we've given feedback and, and we're not even GDs on that but you, you're able to influence those technologies by being in those briefings, so it's pretty cool.
1: I think the question that I really have though is, you know, it sounds cool to have kind of the insider access and to be able to talk to people at Google about the projects that I really care about, but what I guess I don't see is that why, as a, as an Angular developer, do I care that they have GDEs? Is there something that you guys do out in the community that, that, you know, will affect other people? I mean, are you writing documentation or speaking at Google events or, you know, contributing in other ways that are a little bit more visible to me?
5: So if I could jump in here, I'm an Adobe community professional, and so, again kind of a similar program, is I don't think that you become a GD and then you start to benefit the community, but I believe it's the other way around. Okay. Is that you are already benefiting the community and you're already passionate about the technology and you're putting it out there. So Matthias is a really good example of that where, you know, his year of Moo blog was he was already providing massive value to the community through his blog and then, you know, just doing work onto the code base. And because of that because of the value he was providing, he became a GDE, and so I think that it's more of a, a way to recognize somebody that is is already you know very much community minded, you know, providing value to the community, and just doing that because they're passionate about the technology. And so I think that that is the sequence of it: is that you're not providing value, or you're not you become a GD, and then you start providing value. I think it's the other way around.
1: Okay, so it's it's a way for Google to recognize people who are contributing to the community. Yeah. That makes
3: me happier about it.
2: Matthias, you wanna add anything to that?
3: Well you guys pretty much covered all, all all the bits. Um I think that as somebody who is contributing to the community, like the act of contributing, you're doing it based on your own passion and because you know you you wanna give back to people who are trying to learn, but you need to have some form of feedback, right? So if no one's reading your blog articles or no one's doing something, then you'll quit. But maybe perhaps being a GDE is just another level of being recognized and that just pursues you to keep contributing to the uh, community. That's probably another way of looking at it.
5: I think it creates yeah. better feedback loops by basically elevating yourself with other GDEs is that you know you get better feedback and I mean having even access to the Angular team is when I started blogging, you know, having their input just really made my work that much better. And so I think that's indirectly how the community benefits is because you become a GDE, then you have access to the other GDEs and that camaraderie just kind of raises the bar as a whole, I
0: believe. So, so Aaron, since you've been a GDE, does that mean that you can like ask Mishko for cooking tips since you have access uh, to him now?
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Igor has a weekly call where he talks about making crepes, and and as a GDE, you're on that call. <laughs>
1: so it's it's awesome. kind of
2: cool. So, Lucas nailed it on the head. You are a GDE. Not because you want to contribute and then, like, you get nominated and, like, okay, it's time to contribute. You contributed before you got nominated. I mean, your contributions were what got you nominated, basically. And um, I think Matthias is a great example. He was the first Angular GDE. And when I look at the interview questions that we need to ask people who were interviewing for the GDE process, you know, he fits, like, right into the yes column of all the questions we're asking. They ask questions like, do you have a blog with a significant following? And if you do then that kind of that's kind of an influencer score, and they want to see are you a top influencer on the hashtags for your product on Stack Overflow? like are you one of the top responders for Angular on Stack Overflow? That's a question that we ask. Have you written a book about the topic? That's a question that they ask. Have you spoken at conferences and and they want links to the conferences and if you have any videos they want that. They ask you like some significant questions to see. How big are you or, you know, are you really making a, a, an effort in the community to influence for the better? That, those are what most of the questions revolve around. And I usually ask those questions first because, like, let's suppose I was interviewing Matthias and I went to his blog and I could see all the stuff he's talking about. The technical questions would almost be secondary at that point because through his blog, it would be clear that he understands the technology, right? So... That's kind of interview processes. Is, is, do you know your stuff, and then how much are you taking it to the community? How much of an evangelist are you? In? And if you're an evangelist, you're nominated. In the well, and yes. Well,
4: I think one what, of the bigger one of the bigger things about this that's really kind of under the covers is just the fact that there is a GD program and a product for Angular on this. To me, shows the rise of where Angular's come from and its longevity in this too, because you don't just create programs for products that don't have that kind of uh, momentum and staying power. That's true.
3: All of the stuff that Aaron is mentioning, like all the sort of pieces that fit like fit into a good interview, they, you present them all in the form of something called a community CV. That's essentially your resume in terms of what you've done for the community. And it's not like a regular resume where you tell about job experience. You just outline all the cool stuff you've done. And even putting something together like that will realize for someone who has done a lot of work in the community, how much work you've actually done. Like at the time when I wrote it, I think I had something like 12 presentations on Angular and a bunch of blog articles and a video with Lucas that we did for O'Reilly and all kinds of stuff. It all fits together. It's, just, it's really cool. Even if you, even to take a moment and to reflect about how much an influence you have on a particular technology in a community by putting together a paper like that makes you realize how much you've actually done.
2: Yeah, that's true. So one last thing that I will mention, uh, there is one other, like, stipulation when they tell you, hey, you're a GDE now. That sometimes, they, uh, I guess often, the technology teams at Google, so in our case, the A the team, they get asked to go to, you know, kind of regional conferences or local conferences, and if it's something that they feel is worth it, but they can't make it, they will ask the GDEs if they can go in their place. There was a conference in Korea, and... They asked Brad and Mishko and Brad couldn't go and Brad forwarded it to me and I don't know if you got that too, Matias. Um, uh, no, I, if,
3: I didn't get that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, he asked us if we could go and um I was like, I'll go to Korea but the dude quickly responded, he was like, Uh we don't have money for just GD like Oh it's Aaron, never mind, we don't want you to come in. <laughs> that was kinda of the rhetoric of his response but it was kind of cool to be asked Ouch. to go in the <laughs> I know, right? Like, I totally saw that coming. I was like, I don't know if I would be excited about being going, but that's cool that Brad asked me. How many well, times? If you, know,
4: if you wonder why they did that, though, it's part of that is probably just recognition of what a GDE is in some cases because, you know, if you ask somebody, hey, you know, I want to get Bill Gates to come to your conference or Steve Jobs, and somebody says, hey, let me get their so-and-so, if they don't know who that is or what that group means, so I think part of that is just getting more recognition for what the GDE program stands for. Right, true. Yeah, good point. I'd be excited to have Aaron come talk to me. Bro, I'm coming, dude.
2: So, guys, I don't know if you know, but Lucas gave the funniest talk at ng-comp. Lucas and Matias,
5: best talk ng-comp in my book. It was awesome. So, ng-Europe, stick around. We got something in the works. Oh, yeah? Oh, Really?
3: Every day he's bugging me and he has like this grand scheme of something we're going to plan. And I'm just Good like, I'm not going to get invited to another Angular conference if we <laughs> keep pulling these things off. So, <laughs>
2: so you guys are going to NG Europe too? Yes, sir.
3: Yes, sir. That's, awesome.
2: That's very cool. When is that, by the way?
3: That one's in October.
2: Okay, cool.
3: Are you, Aaron, planning to have another Angular conference next year?
0: Um, Joe, do you talk about it now or? No, not yet. Oh, come on. There there will be ng-conf yeah. 2015. That will exist.
2: So the site for registering for information about ng-conf 2015 is already up. But as far as talking about the DEETs, I guess we're not going to talk about the DEETs. I'm going to I'm going to throw one detail out there, and Joe, you can get mad at me. It's going to be Q1 of 2015, but yeah, that's if it's coming and,
0: and you're about to get a lot of information in the next few months.
3: Is it going to be Salt Lake City again?
0: Yes. Yeah, it is going to be Salt Lake City. We are the mecca of Angular. If you look at the analytics, we're the mecca of Angular, so. We're the, Salt Lake City per capita is the mecca for all
2: JavaScript platforms since like the browser selector wars. Uh, if you go back and you look at them, Salt Lake City has got more, like more searches per capita than anywhere in the, in the United States, so it's a pretty big deal. Salt Lake City is a big deal on JavaScript.
1: That just shows that we don't know what we want out here. And
2: that's the thing is, does it show that we love JavaScript more, does it show that we're dumber and we have to Google it more? I don't know what it I don't know what it means, but it shows something. So yeah, we're gonna yeah. do it here
5: again. So can I push my luck? Is it gonna be at the same venue? What would you think if it was? I thought the, the venue was fantastic. Did you?
3: The only thing oh, that yeah. got to me was the food poisoning.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well <laughs> See we're gonna we've
2: gotta deal with the food poison broker. We can bring that to wherever we go. Right. So, yeah, we can do that
3: anywhere. I, d- I didn't mean it in a positive way. Oh, oh okay.
2: Uh-oh. No, we can, we can get the NG flu wherever we go. Yeah,
0: NG yeah. flu goes every, everywhere. You
4: may want to see if they can break a wall down, too, and make some more room.
1: Yeah.
2: No, yeah. yeah.
1: So I have one more question. I was looking at the GDE page, and it says that you're a GDE for a year. What do they call you when you're done being a GDE?
2: It's Isn't that when the secret
4: service still follows you around and you get a detail for life?
1: Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, are
0: like the two of you allowed to be on the same plane together? <laughs> you just can't touch each other. Ah, that's <laughs> probably pretty hard for you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was easier before we weren't GDEs, but now it's just complicated.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: The relationship's a mess now. Um, no, after GDE, I think... I don't know. I think you, like like let's say one of the gdes takes off and like gets involved in react and they're not they're not big in the no no I'm just, i mean this is just an example right it's you would be a gde for just a few more months and then they'd re they'd re-interview you and you probably wouldn't be like at the same level and so they'd probably
4: say thanks for helping out but yeah
2: matthias i'm going to say this we haven't actually said this gdes get a guaranteed ticket to google io that's one of the bigger Things that we didn't even mention, but you shouldn't be a GD just for that. But if that gets you motivated to contribute in the community and do all sorts of presenting and blog writing and writing docs for the Angular team, then awesome. You should you deserve a ticket. So that's one of the other perks.
4: Yeah. So imagine could, I'm, I'm a I listener could. and I want to know. I want to talk to a GDE. What if I want to reach out to the GDS and like ask some questions? How how would I go about doing that?
2: Great question. Uh, if you go to developers.google.com. There's a community section where you can see a list of the Google Developer Experts. If you want one of them to do a hangout with you for maybe your user group, or you want to get to know them and chat with them, if you go to that page, you'll see all of our information. It's got a map of where they're at in the world. So you could go and look and see if there's any GDEs near you. And, like, let's say you run a a user group. You could have a GDE come and present at your user group. But if you go to developers.google.com, that's how you could get in touch with the GDE and chat with them, maybe get feedback from them, find out if they can help you with your user group or come talk to you about the technology that you care about. Like, locally, I've had a couple companies say, hey, we're thinking about converting to Angular, come talk to us about it. And so you go and you kind of consult with them. You do a presentation and you consult with them on some of the changes that are going make. But that's how you get in touch with the GDS through the developers at Google.com site.
0: So if I like was having trouble with figuring out why my director's is not working, then I could just call you Aaron and yeah. you figure it out. Yeah. Let me find your phone number real quick. My phone number is, um,
2: no, <laughs> so, uh, if you needed help, you would go to stack overflow, right? But if it was something like you talked to stack overflow and they couldn't help you out on, uh, I would be more than willing to help someone out. I think maintenance is probably similar. If someone reached out with a thing they couldn't figure out, I'd jump on and hang out with him and and do a screen share and and see if I couldn't help him out.
0: I actually did that last night, so yeah, I would do that. So one of the things I've recently started to feel like is they need some GDEs that are Angular Microsoft GDEs. (laughs) I had some guy ask me some questions about a really difficult thing with uh, Visual Studio using Angular, and I just couldn't figure it out because I haven't used the latest version of Visual Studio. So... You know, that whole thing that hey, I am an Angular GDE, right? There's actually a lot of crossover technologies that Angular really affects because Angular doesn't live by itself. You know, there's a server piece somewhere and there's a lot of different complexities with working with a different kind of server piece, you know? Yeah.
4: I just recently I was working with some folks uh, doing a class on Angular and there must have been 20 people in the class and I think there were 11 different IDEs. So wow. just going through that was amazing. And they had Java, PHP, .NET, Node, and Firebase, everything was going on for the back end. So I totally see that. Uh, That's the, a good but, point,
3: Joe. The backend stuff is really interesting. Um, I've done a lot of talks on the frontend stuff, but my next talk at a conference here in Toronto, where I live, uh, I'm doing a one on like various backends that you can use with Angular. So I'm going to explore Node, .NET, PHP, as many backends as I can get my hands on, and Rails? explain Rails as well. Yes, and Clojure and all kinds of stuff. Just to s- explain how you can build a, like a an appropriate backend for an MVC website that uses Angular. I want to awesome. see one in common list. <laughs> There's actually backends that work directly with C. So that would be fun to, to build something like that. Well,
4: I think that's really one of the beauties of, of what Angular really brings to the table is you now have these old fashioned houses uh, running in Java and .NET and all these other technologies, which are still wonderful. But in the past, they've kind of babbled each other. And now there's something that kind of, kind of brings them together. And it's not just Angular, but it's it's JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. But I think Angular is the thing that's kind of bringing them to the table going, you know what, we can build applications, and who cares what's in the back end? And I really think that's
3: a great thing. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. Just the architecture of an MVC website is amazing, like how you can basically store all the static portions, like the HTML code, the JS code, the CSS code, put that on a CDN. And then set up your API, which is the backend code, on just like a different domain, and then make them both live together as one website. And if you want to scale the front end, it's a CDN; it's trivial. If You want to scale the back end? You know, you get something like Heroku to run your back end, and it becomes very cheap and very easy to maintain and you know scale up the website compared to a website five years ago, which was everything was on the back end, everything was HTML being dished out to the browser.
4: And the costs are amazing, you're right, because at the back end, you want to scale those things, you're sometimes talking to millions of dollars to do those kind of things. And on the front end, you're not hitting that kind of an issue.
0: Right. Yeah. So right. I got a question for you, GDEs. Matthias, you've been a GD for a long time. Aaron, you how long have you been a GDE? Uh, April. April. All right. Yeah. So have you guys, like, what's been different since you've been a GDE? Like, how has it actually affected you directly?
3: So I've had a few people from... Like the Google developer groups reach out. And just as Aaron mentioned that, you know, some user groups might reach out and ask you to, to speak on their behalf and stuff like that. I've had a few instances of that. I was unable to make it to Google IO, but I did get an invite and just having the sort of notifications and like sort of introductions to other GDEs is, is a cool thing. It's just being a part of the community. Um, I think that it will pick up in the fall when the, um, GDE summit comes around. But for now it's just, you know, I've been still doing the same stuff I've been normally doing, contributing to Angular and, you know, working on my blog and stuff like that. Now I know that it's also helping me in terms of being a Angular GDE.
2: In addition to that, I think for me the coolest part has been by far the GDE briefings that they do, where it's just you and whatever other GDEs were interested in this specific topic and you jump on a hangout with some some Google development team. They're going to skip all some ideas with you and kind of talk to you about the stuff they're working on, get your feedback, whether you like it, how excited are you about it, what kind of changes you'd like to see to it, and being able to just kind of see that stuff before it's out and have some feedback into it. That, for me, has been the coolest part. And that's different. I've never been involved in a, you know, training or feedback loop,
0: so it's cool. So I would just like to say on behalf of the entire Angular community, thanks, you guys that have been GDEs improving, proven, you know, your contribution to Angular. Thanks very much for everything you guys have done. Yep. Plus one. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, we are at our time limit, so I'm going to push us into the picks. Joe, do you want to go first?
0: I would love to go first. I got two picks. The first pick is by the time this gets released, this pick will have been over. And that is my talk at that conference. I'm going to be giving it on Monday. And this episode should come out, what, Wednesday? So mm-hmm. it'll be two days late. I'm mostly picking that conference because that conference is awesome, but I'm going to be speaking on Angular Best Practices at that conference. So I'm going to pick that. And if you haven't gone to that conference, you should definitely go. It's an awesome conference filled with bacon and water slides, sometimes together. My second and final pick is going to be Aaron Frost's cell phone number, which is (laughs) 801-555-6532. Those are my picks.
1: Awesome. Aaron, what are your picks?
0: Can I go last? Uh, We kind of sprung this,
1: I think, on our uh, new hosts and guests. I'll go, and then I'll make you go.
2: Yeah, you go, then I'll go. Okay,
1: Okay. so as many of you may or may not know, I'm actually a freelancer. I focus mainly on Ruby and Rails backends, and then I like to use Angular on the front end where it makes sense, which most of the time it does, even on some of the smaller projects. Anyway, I've been reading some books that uh, really kind of bent my brain around in a different way. And it was stuff that I mostly knew and stuff that I mostly believed. But it was just kind of nice to hear it, you know, more or less explicitly stated. So I'm going to pick a few books here. The first one is called Rhinoceros Success. And it talks about choosing a goal and then basically charging ahead like a rhinoceros. You kind of get the metaphor there. To reach the goal. I listened to it on Audible. It's about an hour and a half long. And it was just awesome. And it's nice because it's one of those books kind of like... Uh, Do the Work by Steven Pressfield, where you can listen to it in an hour or so and just kind of get that pick-me-up and that go-ahead-and-charge-and-get-stuff-done. Love it. The next one is The Go-Getter. And it's actually a story about somebody who is a go-getter and what that means and, you know, what it means to really just go after things. And it's kind of an inspiring story. I'm pretty sure it's entirely fictional. But again, you know, it's that It's that, you know, go out and get the things that you want and achieve the things that you want to achieve. Finally, the third book is QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. And it's a book about personal responsibility. And anyway, all three of these are an hour and a half or less. So go check out those books. They're just terrific. Yeah, I'll put links in the chat and in the show notes. Aaron, go ahead.
2: All right, I'm going to pick. It's from IBM. They blogged out a tutorial on building a, a little mean app and it's fairly comprehensive. It's uh, a good chance to to get into Mongo if you're an Angular developer that hasn't dealt with Mongo or with Node and Express. It's a great little tutorial. It's you know, it's from IBM. It's from their blog, and you're just building a real-time polling app. It's a simple little tutorial that will get you into those technologies. So that's my pick. I'll put the uh, the link in, uh, in the show notes.
3: Okay, so should I say my picks as well? Yeah, go ahead. So... My pick is uh, a blogging engine called Hugo, which is written in Go, and I've been tampering with that lately because I'm working on a new new version of my blog. And that's fairly cool. Um something to check out. If you're used to programming Jekyll, which is a Ruby static site generator, have a look at that. Or if you just really love WordPress and you want to try something else, then take a look at both Jekyll and Hugo. Otherwise, Cloudflare, which is a hosting, like a proxy host, for a CDN, that's really cool. If you're using CloudFront and you want to have other features such as compression and SP speedy HTTP systems, take a look at that. And finally, if you haven't done bungee jumping yet, try that, because I tried that last week, and that was fun. Awesome. All right, Lucas, do you want to give us your picks?
5: Yep. Uh, so one technical, one not. I just started a new project, and we're doing ASP.NET uh, MVC, which is something that I normally... I haven't done generally, you know, strictly kind of a Mac stack kind of a guy, but I've been running Windows in a VM and, and doing a lot of like Visual Studio stuff, and I'm actually surprised at what a really solid IDE that is. And so that's just been you know really fun doing you know basically MVC and then and working Angular into it and kind of learning those conventions. So something new, something interesting. I think it's I think it's a really good tool set. And also I've been listening to Wool by Hugh Howey, and that's a really awesome book that I've been, I've been enjoying. So I listen to a lot of books, but that one has been excellent.
1: Awesome. John, what are your picks?
4: So I've got a couple of picks here. Uh, one of them is a little more code-related. It's basically using Gulp with NG Annotate. I absolutely love Gulp. Uh, I'm a grunt guy too, but I'm prefer- preferring Gulp quite a bit lately. And NG Annotate is just awesome for helping with dependency injection, minification, and whatnot inside of Angular. Second pick I've got is there's a really cool conference called Code on the Beach. It's a smaller conference, but I kind of like the smaller ones. You get to mingle more with the folks, and it's really a lot of fun. Code on the Beach is cool because they do it actually in a hotel on the beach, and they actually reserve like four or five hours from, I think, like 11 to 3 p.m. on the day. They do it the weekend. They do it to actually just go off to the beach with everybody, and they have like a tiki bar and stuff and drinks. So it's a very cool concept for a conference, and I'm actually going to it this weekend. And then my final pick, a group called Oh Honey, which is a shameless plug for my niece's new band who's actually hit the Billboard charts. And she has a top hit in there. So I'm very proud of her. That's awesome, man.
1: Very cool.
2: Yeah. That conference looks cool too, man. Yeah. So can I do one last follow-up pick? Because I totally forgot to do this. Joe did it last week, but it hadn't happened yet. I'm going to pick Guardians of the Galaxy. Saw it. Epic.
1: It was so funny.
2: Yeah, it was hilarious. I, I couldn't stop laughing. So go see Guardians of the Galaxy if
1: you haven't. Yeah, if you're a child of the 80s, or even if you're not, my 8-year-old liked it too. So, All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks for asking me. All Thank right. Thank you, guys. We'll be back next week. Working and learn from designers at Amazon and Quora, developers at SoundCloud and Heroku, and entrepreneurs like Patrick Ambron from Brand Yourself. You can level up your design, dev, and promotion skills at Level Up Con, taking place October 8th and 9th in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. Only two hours by train from New York City, this is the perfect place to enjoy early fall at Oktoberfest while you mingle with industry pioneers in a resort town in upstate New York. Get your ticket today at levelupcon.com. Space is extremely limited for this premium conference experience. Don't delay. Check out levelupcon.com now.